everybody. Hello. And welcome to another episode of Dear Bear Book Club. I'm Nikki. And I'm Kirsty. And Evan has poured me a very big glass of wine, so we're in it tonight. Yay. I'm feeling just the right amount of buzz for a Monday night. <laughs> and I'm ready to go. And also, Kirsty, I'm just going to jump right off the bat here and tell you that you're simultaneously a genius and the bait of my existence. Oh. <laughs> nice little Bridgerton reference there, Nikki. <laughs> I know, but I haven't even watched it yet. But I but I knew about that line because it's all over Instagram and shit yeah. like that. <laughs> anyway, so I have realized the amazingness of audiobooks. Oh. Oh, oh, I've been waiting for this day. Okay, well, not especially for this podcast, because you can just get through books so much quicker. And I'm at work and I can only listen to audiobooks like if I'm not on the sales floor or like when I'm like early in the morning, like between Mm -hmm. like when I get there and like when we open. Yep. However... So this, I was listening to this book and like reading it at the same time. So I mm-hmm. was, I would listen to it when I was at work and then I would go home and like read it and then like yeah. just jump, jump ahead. Which is fairly but, easy to do when you, um, when you go chapter by chapter, you can just be like, yeah. oh, okay, chapter 12. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I always do. I, I, that's mm-hmm. like my one thing that I'm like, I can't usually, I mean, sometimes there's exceptions. Sometimes you got to do stuff. But I will only stop reading at the end of a chapter. I can't stop in the middle of a chapter because it drives me crazy. Oh, I'm not one of those people. I try my hardest (laughs) to get to the end of a chapter. But if I'm reading like before bed and I like start to fall asleep, I just got to cut where I am. Like there's no point going any further because I'm going to have to reread anyway. Um, Mm. When it comes to audiobooks, I can just drop it whenever um oh yeah well, audiobooks i can just drop it whenever yeah. it doesn't matter if i'm gonna if i'm gonna go back to the audiobook but that's what i um can also say i love audiobooks but there's something about having the physical copy of mm. the book so yeah. i was listening to um a new book that's came out called lessons in chemistry and i've been all over it like a hot rash i love it so much that i bought it and <laughs> it's so pretty it and, is really pretty oh uh, yeah, I love it so much. And I want to do it as a book for the podcast at some point because it's so good. Maybe we should do like as a read along because I really yeah. want to read it too. Yep. Um, I, I entered a Goodreads like giveaway for it, but uh, I don't know. I haven't heard. I don't know how, yeah. how long it takes to get a Goodread giveaway. But yeah, so I'm re- But OK, so this is why you're the bane of my existence, mm-hmm. because I'm like this book that I did it's for this book that I did for this episode mm-hmm. it is very emotional <laughs> yeah and there was this one part I'm just like you know tootling around at work doing whatever and like the one part like is so gut-wrenching I literally had like I was like I was like doubled over and I was like had my hands over my face and I looked like I was like it looked like somebody died probably and I was just like mm-hmm. at work and I was like <sighs> yeah like I couldn't handle it and I had to turn it off and I was like I don't think I don't think I listened to that book again at work because I was like I can't be emotionally destroyed and then sell a shirt to somebody for $14.99 it just doesn't work <laughs> so I had a similar experience with a book I read recently and 
I listen to books when I fall asleep and that's where like um with like the Libby app you can like bookmark Mm -hmm. and then like set a sleep timer so that's what I do and then if I sometimes I've gone to the end of the sleep timer and I haven't fallen asleep yet and that's fine I'll just I'll I'm getting to the point where I'm sleepy enough that I can just keep like falling asleep Mm -hmm. but um sometimes I'm still like I drift off in the middle and it's nice I can go back to the bookmark so it's super awesome but a couple like a week or so ago I don't remember if I messaged you with this but I was sleeping and I sleep with an eye mask on and the book was just like hitting me hard and it wasn't even like anything like like a scene that was like particularly meant to hit you really hard but I was just like oh my god I'm feeling the struggle of this person so much right now that I was like weeping (laughs) or trying to fall asleep and it was to the point that I kept having to take the eye mask off because like (laughs) obviously like I was making the eye mask wet so I was then like wiping my eyes but then see how like when you've you then start crying like a little bit more and you can't just like wipe it away with your hands. So yeah. I was having to use like the top sheet of the bed to like wipe <laughs> how much I was crying away. Um, and eventually I was just like, I have to stop this book. Like I can't. So um, then Joseph was like, what are you doing? And I was like, I can't listen to this book right now. <laughs> um, and then put on um, a true crime podcast. So... <laughs> um yeah yeah yep, that'll do it too good old my favorite murder and um fell asleep to the to the sounds of that instead um yeah because clearly the book because sometimes the books are really soothing and stuff and i like them but i just was clearly listening too intently and i mm. have found that sometimes if it's a book that i'm like itching to get done i can't read it while falling asleep because i'm so Mm-hmm. alert and listening so intently that it's um yeah, no help can't to fall sleep. asleep no yeah well i you know what i think i, re- I realized because i had like a recovered memory when i started listening to these audiobooks and i was listening to audiobooks like before but i had a longer commute when i was living in vancouver mm-hmm. so there i had a lot more time to listen to it but now all the other girls at work just put their ear like airpods in and just like listen to their music at work and i was like fucking why am not why am i not doing that yeah so that's why I started just doing like listening to my podcast, but then I was always like, I was out of podcasts so fast. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, I should start listening to books. And then I, there was this whole saga where I had to get my library card. So I got a temporary library card. They couldn't find it. I had to get a new one. And then whoever put in my account number didn't like mix up some numbers and then they spelled my name wrong. So they couldn't find me. I couldn't get logged into my account. It was like a whole thing, but finally I got it. Mm-hmm. set up and then I like downloaded like three audiobooks at once so it was like this this one that I did for this episode um it'll be the next the next one uh for the next episode mm-hmm. because I've already read that one but it was years and years ago yeah so I was like I'll just listen to the audiobook easy pe- easy peasy but you'll be very happy to know that I put holds on the duke and I yay and the second one what is it called the viscount or something something uh the viscount and i the viscount and me Mm, i'm messing that up i don't remember what it is (laughs) anyway i'm enjoying it (laughs) but oh my god the woman who reads it like i cannot rosalind landor (laughs) i cannot like her man man voice like it's the same through all of them oh Um, great great yeah (laughs) 
I am enjoying it. Like, it's fun. It's fun to listen to. She has her mom voice and her lady voice. In the, the, but, like, the her, her voice for Daphne is, like, I can't, like... Can you just talk like a woman? You are a woman. Oh, just the Viscount like who normal. loved me. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I haven't gotten that one yet. That one's still a hold on. I'm still like, I'm about halfway through. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. But See, anyway, I started I the audiobooks with the Viscount and me and did all of them and then went back and did the Duke and I. Um, okay. So, yeah. It was a long time before I actually read the book. And there is quite a big bit of difference between the book and the TV yeah. series. I'm noticing that as well. But it's been a while since I watched the TV sh- the TV show. But mm-hmm. I just was like, I cannot. And like the the woman who read this book that I did for this episode, mm-hmm. she, she was per- be- it was beautiful. It was perfect. Yeah. And like she just told the story. Like she didn't have any different voices. Mm-hmm. She just told the story. And I was like, yes, that's what I want. And you know what? This is where you might like Beth O'Leary's books because the different perspectives are voiced by different people. So mm. you're hearing that different voice and they're not going to like change their voice. For- I don't remember them changing their voices for other people because they're speaking from like their point of view. Um, okay, so that's what I was wondering because I mm-hmm. also just started the no show for our read-along episode. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, so they're reading, there's like different people reading, so like whoever is in the like perspective, like whoever's perspective yeah. the chapter is in, that's so, who just reads it. Like they don't have the other people coming in. No. Oh, okay. Yeah. Then I would like it. Yeah. So like if it's a chapter, um, I think the first chapter is Siobhan's chapter. Mm-hmm. So you would have known that. So that is uh, read by um, Ivana Lynch, who plays Luna Lovegood in mm-hmm. Harry Potter. So um, yeah, they like alternate between them. That would be interesting. Yeah, I don't mind it, but I have grown to love Rosalind Landor with the um, the Bridgerton. Well, books, it's just, so. it's just so funny because her man voice is like Daphne. <laughs> like, it's not only she she's not only going deeper like as a man, but she's also doing the annoying like aristocratic like yeah. British accent. And, like, that's what gets me more than the man voice. It's, like, the aristocratic Like, the palm that... that's in it. Yeah! That's what's driving me crazy. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Anyway. And then, oh, God, I, I really want to talk about the audiobook. I'm, like, I just started for the next the next one, but I'll, I'll wait. I'll save it for the next one, because it's so, it's even, it's, again, like, another kind of audiobook. It's a memoir. So it's, like, read, okay, I, I'll, I'll stop, because... I want to talk about it the next episode. But yeah. yeah. Just so say, I, I'm glad that we got you on the audiobook train. Well... Because um, I think it's really yeah. helpful for us to, like, be able to... Like, to be able to record fairly frequently, we need to burn through books pretty quickly. And we've both got fairly busy lives in regards <sighs> to both have full-time jobs. You're and I feel that that's, like, a benefit. Um, I still love reading physical books, but it just... If I can go about my daily life and be able to cook or um, mm-hmm. sit and watch the hockey game with Joseph and have my... Let's um, not mention that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sit and read my book right at the now. same time. So we should mention in some regard because at some point I want us to do an episode on just like something random, not to do with books. The fact that we're both passionate Toronto Maple Leafs fans. And Maybe I want William episode. Nylander to come on the show um but if he William came on the show Thailander, i think that, you mean yeah 
And I think the two of us just wouldn't be able to speak. It would make for Holy a very boring shit. podcast. But oh. um, yeah, I but he could just talk the mind. whole time. Actually, yeah. I've never heard him talk. But well, I've never sought out epi- like vi- our videos <laughs> where he spoke. I just like to look at him. You know, I know he doesn't need to talk. Yeah. <laughs> oh. oh my god. Well, let's hope that by the time. Oh yeah, by the time this episode releases, there's going to be another game. So I said to Evan, I was, I was like, if they keep up this pattern where it's like one and one, we'll win by the end <laughs> because we'll win the we'll win the fourth one first. But do we want them to go to seven? No. <sighs> no. Uh, yeah, that's true. Anyway, we, we are talking about ice hockey <sighs> for um, people who maybe don't know who the Toronto Maple Leafs are because we have listeners from around the globe now true and that's very exciting there's you know like think about all the hockey players that come from all over the world maybe not in the hot places but (laughs) it's mostly the really cold places up north yeah like the russias the ukraines the yeah sweden the norways yeah no listeners in Norway yet, but maybe we'll get there. Maybe now yeah. that we've mentioned William Nylander. <laughs> He's Swedish, though. Oh, I said Sweden, didn't I? Maybe not. Yeah. Maybe. Okay. Anyway. anyway. Um, yeah, that, that was pretty much it for me. I just was so excited. I've been keeping it. In. I didn't even text you about it because I was like, we just got to talk about it on the episode. Yeah. About my appreciation for audiobooks now and the library. Yeah, and uh, we're going to throw in there, too, appreciation for uh, local independent bookstores, too. Yes. I put an order in and picked it up that day at a local bookstore. From where? Iron Dog Books. Our oh, yeah. Iron Dog mm-hmm. Bookstore um, on Hastings in Vancouver. It's actually not that far from my work, and I had to pick something up for work, too, and... The person who runs the store is just super lovely and we had a nice little chat um, when I was in there nice. to pick up my books because I decided that there was books. Well, one of them too is um, Emily Henry. She wrote um, People mm-hmm. We Meet on Vacation. She mm-hmm. had just come up with a new book called Book Lovers. Mm-hmm. So when I was like, well, I need to own Lessons in Chemistry, that one I also saw while I was scrolling through stuff. So I was like, well... I'm going there anyway. Might as well as buy it too. So. To be honest, I've never read any of her stuff, but we do follow her on Instagram. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> I read uh, People We Meet on Vacation um, when I was going through my romance binge a couple weeks ago. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, we should get started. Do you want to say what the our like theme this week is? I would. I will say what our theme is. Our theme this week, and it's going to be a little bit late because Mother's Day was on Sunday, mm-hmm. but our theme this week is, I don't know if we actually came up with an official title for it, but it's books our moms have recommended to us. Yeah. So Yay. Thanks, moms. <laughs> we both sent a message to each of our moms and we we're like, please uh, recommend a book to us. And Well, I think we're both lucky that our moms... I don't know. May, I'm I'm speaking for myself here, but my I feel like my mom is the one who instilled in me the love of reading. So, it's only fit mm-hmm. to appreciate her on Mother's Day with a book that she suggested for me. So there you yes. go. Yes. Happy Mother's Day, mom. Yeah. Happy you. Mother's Day. And yeah. So 
my mom, she gave me a few different options, but this was the one that she like immediately said, um, which is, and I've seen this author mentioned quite a lot. I've seen quite a few of her books around. It's Kristen Hanna, and the book is The Nightingale. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And on my cover, it's like a, it's a very pretty cover um, mm, with like yeah. the Eiffel Tower and some like um, a bird and some thorny looking flower thing. I think it's roses, <laughs> actually. That would make sense. Um, <laughs> on the front, it's very pretty. And it said soon to be a major motion picture. So I looked into it. I think the movie's coming out at the end of this year. So. Oh. That'll be kind of nice to um, see that. So I'll just read the little blurb at the back. With courage, grace, and powerful insight, best-selling author Kristen Hanna captures the epic panorama of World War II and illuminates an intimate part of history seldom seen, the Woman's War. The Nightingale Hmm. tells the story of two sisters, separated by years and experience, by ideals, passion, and circumstance, each embarking on her own dangerous path towards survival, love, and freedom in German-occupied, war-torn France. A heartbreakingly beautiful novel that celebrates the resilience of the human spirit and the durability of women. It is a novel for everyone, a novel for a lifetime. So, um, which also, on the back of the book too, it drew me to her because um, she lives in the Pacific Northwest, which is where we live. So, kind of neat. Um, yeah, and I think I'd seen this book around too. But I, when I looked it's into the very famous, yeah, when I looked like into the movie, um, it is Elle and Dakota Fanning that are playing the sisters, and it's the first time that they will have played sister, like um, sharing the same screen at the same time. They've been in movies where one has played the older i think is it dakota that's older i think so yeah um where she's played like the older version of like her sister so like they've both played that but they've never actually been like on like side by side together together. yeah yeah so i thought oh that's really going to be interesting to see and yeah so really like this book um i do have some points of issue with it but overall, pretty knockout book. And I wish I'd kind of known about it um, for our World War II book. But I do feel that um, the Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society um, definitely was the one that I needed to do for that. Which is funny because that book was also recommended to me by, by my mom. <laughs> so i feel like we're doing pretty good with uh recommendations from my mom and she also re- recommended years ago um the glass castle by jeanette wallace i think never heard of it um it's pretty good it's more like a memoir situation i tried to watch the movie of that but that was so hard like within the first opening scene i had to turn it off because it was really <laughs> sad. um really sad but the book was really okay. good i have a question yeah Okay, this is what I always want to know about, like, books that are, like, this much. Like, everybody talks about this book. Like, mm-hmm. Kristen Hanna is, like, kind of one of those, like, book talk, mm-hmm. in, like, bookstagram authors. Like, does yeah. it live up to the hype? Um, 
I don't know. And this is where I have some problems with it. So I'm a person who picks apart the tiny details. Mm. And I think I'd actually be really good on film sets because <laughs> I... Yeah. As a script supervisor, I think I would too. Because I pick out weird shit all the time. And the biggest one that I've ever found... Though, actually, when we were watching the, like, Tobey Maguire Spider-Mans a couple weeks ago... A couple weeks <laughs> okay. ago. It was, like, months ago. But, um, <laughs> sorry, this is, like, my conversation's jumping all over the place. When we it's were okay. watching them, I said to Joseph, rewind that back a second. And sure enough, they're... At one point, they're talking to, um... Oh, what's his face? The... Willem Dafoe Mm -hmm. and he's like this way facing Mm. and he has like um like a walkway behind him and Mm. then next time they talk to him he's (laughs) this way and he has like a tank behind him it's like (laughs) what happened there but the biggest one that I always refer to is um the woman in black with Daniel Radcliffe he's like you watch that Yes, I did watch it. It was years ago when I was still willing to watch scary films. Um, <laughs> okay. He is asking the like cart guy to like take him to the the mansion place, and he hands out he puts out his hand, and there's coins in his hand. And the first time you see the coins in his hand, they're really small coins, and then when it goes back to his hand, they're really fucking big coins. <laughs> and it's so like to me that's blatantly obvious because I'm like, what yeah. the fuck is wrong with the coins in his hand? Like they're different. Um, so this so is where weird. I've got a few things. Okay. Um, and I may Lay be, them on me. I may be wrong on this, but and this is the big one for me. If you're picking different characters and they're sisters, they're, they're the integral part of your story, and you say that one of them is a certain age when the mum passes away, and the other one is another age, keep those age differences throughout <laughs> the book, please. Mm, like that's a bad one. I'm pretty sure she messes it up. I haven't like because I've been like flicking between audiobook and book. Um I haven't had the chance to like verify it, but I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. she messes up. And to me, I don't know, if I was an author, I would have like this is the age, this is the age, and then this is what their age difference is. So that yeah. anytime I'm referring to their age, I can automatically like refer back to that but maybe that's just because I'm weird about details like that but that to me is just like those are like little things like that you should know about your character and yeah well and it just it kind of takes like if you notice it which I don't usually because Mm -hmm. I don't know I'm dumb but anyway you're not dumb at all but this these are like (laughs) where my like little fixations happen it takes you out of the story you know like yeah it then you had to be like, wait a second, like that doesn't make sense. Yeah, and it so makes it me of... feel like it's less credible, and I know that yeah. that's not the case. Um, but there is a few like other things that just kind of like, I don't know. The two sisters are very different, and their names are oh, Vienne and Isabel. So, which is also funny because when I'm reading the book, I started the audiobook before I got the book. And obviously, I don't speak French at all. So hearing the person who, like, obviously can speak a little bit of French and, like, put on a really good French accent, reading the audiobook, and then I'm reading it, and I'm like, if I had to read, oh, there's somebody, and his name is Gitan or Gitan. <laughs> if I had had to read his name, so it's, oh, God, G A. E with the the two dots on top. T A N. 
Mm. No. Yep. I would have probably just called him Gate. And he does go by Gate um, as like a like a nickname, but it's G A E T. But I probably would just called him Gate, as in like a garden gate, like because that would have just been the closest my frame of mind goes to. And I feel really yeah. bad and like so uncultured, but like I just I'm not familiar with the language. Oh my god, that listener from Belgium is gonna hate me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm sorry, but we've never made the made the claim that we know how to speak French. Same as how we don't know how to do math. Like we've never claimed that we can speak French. This Um, person who is in Belgium must speak English because they're listening to us. Yeah, or they're learning English, which I'm so sorry Uh, if you're deciding to learn English with us. That's not a good idea. Yeah, that's the bad idea. That's a really bad idea. But if you speak English, then great, because you yeah. can realize how bad we are at also the English language. Yeah, um, I mean, it's all not great. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, there, like, I understand things like we, and um, which is good. There's not a lot of French in the book, which I'm very glad. Um, also, shout out to my mom's my mom's best friend growing up. Um, she married a frenchman called didier and he's <laughs> there's one of him in the book so, yeah i was like yeah. oh, i know that name <laughs> oh well there you go you can pronounce that one yeah um one out of two ain't bad yeah so um okay so the sisters there's isabelle and vienne and vienne is the older sister and they do give a little bit of background their mom died when um isabelle was four can't remember how old the older one was, but she was like a little bit like I want to say ten or eleven when her mom passed away. Mm. Mm, I might be wrong in that. Um, so, but their dad kind of like gives up on trying to raise them, so they go through like a kind of living like a a foster situation, but in their like family summer home. And then mm. this is where I have another problem. So they kind of make them seem out to be really poor but also at the same time they have a summer house they have a summer house and an apartment in paris they own a bookstore and the the summer house is like a house that has been in their family for generations like 400 years and i'm like sus well okay but you know well i i get it because like having those but like because, like, all those lords, like, in Britain now are yeah. just house poor. They just have a big house, but they can't... They're, they're they can't not, afford to, like... Li- anyway, in, but there's yeah. just some other things that I'm just like, hmm, suspect, but all right. Um, yeah. Like, the village that they live in, um, which is a fake village, um, seems to be swarming with um, Nazi soldiers and German soldiers, and and has a train station yet it's this quaint little village i'm like why is this a central point for them to be in german soldiers yeah and... it just there's a couple things that i'm a little i don't know suspect about but it is a really good book in the sense like i like the parallel stories of like how two sisters survive the war are very different and um to start off with um uh Isabel is in Paris and her sister is living in the country at like the family home because she um 
got pregnant at 16, married the guy that she was like in love with then and the dad gave them the, the house. They said that you can live there, I'll be living in Paris. And the younger sister was just like shipped from like different girls' home, like different boarding schools and finishing schools. Mm. Um, and it's a bit more feisty, whereas her sister, the older sister is a bit more quiet and just wants like the peaceful like things to just like go along but she was very anxious as a child but i think it's because she remembered her mum more and mm. was always just a bit quieter so um her husband is then summoned to be on the front line so then they're like on their own but the dad like the like grandfather i suppose like the dad um he says for the isabel she gets re- kicked out of one, the recent school that she's been in so she's he's like you're gonna go live with your sister um her husband's been sent away you're gonna go live with her um and at that point that's when like um like kind of france falls to like um mm-hmm. nazi germany and yeah so they make the difficult she makes this difficult track she like stumbles upon somebody and kind of like befriends this guy but then she also witnesses quite a bit of horrors of like people who are fleeing but there's um like nazi planes come past and like kill people who are like trying to flee paris um so yeah she's a bit like jaded now mm-hmm. mm, yeah so then because her sister has this big house local or like german soldier comes along and is like i'm commandeering your house like either you can leave or you can house me in your house so they decide to stay and just house them in their house so they can kind of like have some sort of semblance of normal because if they leave then where would they go mm-hmm. so which obviously the younger sister is not happy with and mm. yeah. yeah so then she eventually like kind of gets in with the resistance work um there's also like a little bit of a love story because the guy that she meets when she's like fleeing Paris um when they arrive at her sister's place he like leaves her um but I knew there wasn't the end of him and he does come back later on which is nice Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. like um there's a few like twists and turns along the way and just at one point the the older sister Vienne she like kind of is like really naive Especially, like, I remember at the very beginning, too, when her husband's leaving, he's like, here's some money um, that I've, like, saved up. I took it out from the bank. It's hidden in the mattress. That should tide you over until I can come home. Because he thinks he's going to not be gone that long. But because Mm. he was a soldier, he's then taken into France as, like, a political soul, like, a prisoner of war. So he's, like, Mm -hmm. held. So she eventually like like quite a considerable amount of time passes and she like runs out of money um but she's also a school teacher but then she loses her job um and there's just like some things that unfold and it's just like oh fuck what the hell are they gonna do um but it is sometimes aided by the like german guy like living in the house oh this is where i was going with that thought so this is where the sisters are kind of different. At one point, the guy, Beck, um, Captain Beck, he um, says, oh, I need you to tell me 
um, the people in the community who are um, Freemasons, who are homosexuals, and who are Jewish, like the are like all of these different things. Uh, please tell them, tell me who they are. And by this point, please. You're... Well, yeah, and she's he's just like, oh, we just you know how the Germans like having lists and things like that. So she like gives and then she's like finishes the list and he's like, oh, but you're not done. What about your friend, Rachel, her best friend who is Jewish and also a teacher at the school, the same as she is. So then all the Jewish people are like told to stop working. They're not allowed to work in England. So he like she like essentially does that to her friend and her friend forgives her, but it's still like and her but her Mm -hmm. sister is pissed. Um, but by this point, her sister's already, like, started, like, spreading pamphlets in the town of, like, the resistant papers and stuff like that, like, putting them mm-hmm. through people's letterboxes in the middle of the night. Um, but she, like, really starts to get into the resistance work. But I don't want to give too much away, because as much as I do have some criticisms of the book, um, it's still a really good book. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's it's fairly chunky, so thanks, Mom. <laughs> Uh, I'm like, oh sweet! I have like a couple weeks until like I need to read this book. I'll get it done in no time. It's huge. <laughs> it's a 17 hour audiobook, over 17 hour audiobook, and how many pages does this book have? Oh, that's the author's note. That's acknowledgments. Um, 564. That's a lot. It's a chunky boy. That's um, like as big as like, like Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Yeah, look how small that like end bit is. Like it's a mm. huge book. So yeah. yeah. Thanks, Mom. Um <laughs> I did send her a message and was like, Mom, this book is huge. And she was like, I'm sorry, you can pick another book if you want. You don't have to do it. And I was like, Well, <laughs> we're done with now. now. <laughs> yeah. I already paid my dollars. Um, so yep. yeah, but the book is pretty good and i don't want to give too much away because i feel that as much as like there's some things like i can tell like obviously isabel is going to go further into the resistance movement and that's fantastic um and vienne is literally doing anything she can can to survive because she has a daughter too Mm -hmm. so she like obviously wants to keep her daughter alive and is just doing anything she can and will things like reconcile um like I don't oh this is like one of those ones where I'm actually managing to refrain from telling anything um that's impressive you're usually the yeah spoiler queen but (laughs) at the same time there's still like those few things like um so also at the very beginning the first chapter it's set in Oregon like okay um so (laughs) So it's like in the future I you do eventually figure out which sister it is from like viewpoints and stuff you find out like who it is and her husband has recently died and but it doesn't explicitly say who she is for a long time and it feels like she has like some sort of like unfinished business to do with the war you can kind of sense like a bit of regret and stuff but she's having to pack up her house because she's moving into like uh an assisted or like kind of like old people's apartment place so that she can mm-hmm. live there and not be a burden but she, her husband just passed away so she they're having to sell their house and stuff but it just seems like i don't know if that really needed to be added to the book that whole like 
looking back on life and stuff like that i think that the story mm-hmm. could have existed just as like purely this yeah. story of these two sisters i don't feel that that kind of really added any sort of solid element to the book and that was exactly the same as the paris library because mine yeah. had that whole thing where it was like yeah flipping back and forth mm-hmm. Whereas, like, the yeah. Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society, it's, like, written just after the war, but you don't have... You have, like, those little flashbacky moments where people are remembering things, but it's not, like, a... Half years in advance, is. and... Because it's, mm-hmm. like, the first section is written in 90... Mm, shit, I don't want to say 95, because it might be 96. Um, no, it's 95. Um... But I just don't feel that it really added anything to the story, and that could have significantly cut down the the page the page yeah. count probably. And for a long time, I've like forgot it even happened. It wasn't until I think it's like chapter like yeah. So we go from chapter one being on the Oregon coast to then um, immediately being in the war. Chapter two, August nineteen thirty nine, France. And, like, it does update you what the date is because it moves forward in time a little bit. Like, chapter four, June 1940, France. Like, so it is nice. Mm-hmm. I like having dates. So, like, I know, okay, mm-hmm. we've moved forward a couple months. Okay, we've moved forward a couple months. Like, to mm-hmm. kind of know where you're at because, like, to have a wartime book too, you want, especially this one started before the war started, you kind of do need to progress fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. Um. Chapter 14 is the second time you go back to Oregon. So we've had... That's a big jump. Like, a lot of chapters between then. And it's mm-hmm. like, why? I yeah. um, don't really understand why the, it, it jumps forward so much. Um, <sighs> yeah. And then... Yeah, I just feel it didn't didn't add anything to the story. They could have just cut that out and like having the story on itself. You could have maybe had it as like just at the very end as like kind of Mm. like a wrap up piece. But having those Mm -hmm. pieces in the middle, I suppose they wanted to build like Hannah wanted to build that like connection to that person. But I feel that you could have just had almost like a wrap up at the very end, like kind of like in um, I think it's Saving Private Ryan. Mm. where like um at the very end like he's at the grave um graveyard and like thanking um for saving him and stuff like that that kind of moment could have happened um Mm -hmm, but just mm -hmm. at the end i don't think it was nearly necessary to have that throughout the book um yeah but other than that like yeah and the end there is like um sexual violence in the book um there is like obviously like kind of brutal things happen but you have to like put that into context you are reading a book that's set in the war mm-hmm. yeah um sorry i really should have put my thoughts into a more coherent um situation because <laughs> it is a really good book but i just have my reservations about it i think it's because like sometimes when you see a book and it has so much hype mm-hmm you kind of expect in this miraculous thing. And I sometimes feel if I've read another book that I like a lot to then follow up with something that is kind of like, meh. Okay. It, yeah. it may be on like a different day. It would be a fantastic book for me. But when I've just finished something that I truly thought was like a wonderful masterpiece, 
um, it's kind of hard to follow up with something that just doesn't quite cut the same mustard. So Mm -hmm. that's maybe where I'm falling short um, on enjoying this book as much as I should have like well that's um, what i mean is that like you know you you see all of these books on bookstagram and and book talk and whatever and it's like oh everybody's reading this book like should i read this book and then you feel so much pressure because you're like but i already have all these books look how many books i have to read yeah and it's like well there's only so much time and it's like how do you know yeah which ones to read so i mean yeah it's good Mm -hmm. to know that it's like not but also i feel like maybe that puts unrealistic expectations on onto some books because everybody talks about how amazing and perfect and great it is but it's just like yeah then it just it becomes something else in our head and when it isn't that or Mm -hmm. if it's not living up to what we thought it was going to be then it's automatically disappointing yeah and Kristen hannah has written a lot of books too so mm-hmm. let's see. Um, she has fifty-three distinct works, um, according to Goodreads. So she's also like the author of um, Firefly Lane, um, mm. The Four oh, Winds. Really? I don't know if that's yeah. the same Firefly Lane though as like the TV series though. Oh, okay. I don't know. Um, oh. The Four Winds. I've seen that everywhere right now. Like it, that one it just it, came out came out last year yeah like so it's pretty new um and the nightingale oh i should have read this out um it's published by mm, saint martin's griffin and yeah it was released in 2015 Mm. which i feel like it wasn't released that long ago but maybe it's just because all the years are blending together now that i don't really know you know what like once you get older it's just the years blend together. I still feel like five years ago was 2005. Yeah. <laughs> so let's see. So because I've started like putting this as part of like my little like research into certain books that we're doing and stuff, I like to see how they rated on Goodreads. So this one rates really high. Mm. Um, I think it's the highest amount of stars that I've ever seen on something on Goodreads, actually. Oh. Hmm. Oh, this description gives a way better description of the book. Okay, well, I'm going to read this one in a second, too. Um, Oh, my goodness. Okay. So, it has a 4.59 star review on Goodreads, which is incredible. And that's from um, nearly a million ratings. Right now, it's sitting at 938,915 ratings. So, that's a lot. Um, and there's like, yeah, a couple thousand shy of um eighty thousand reviews. It was also Goodreads Choice um winner in twenty fifteen. So, like, obviously, it is a good book. There's just like some things that just like was kind of like, I don't know, small details that just like niggle at me. And so she had like quite yeah. a few books before this one came out quite then. a few but i feel like this is definitely the first one i was aware of um of hers yeah so i feel like this one probably is the one that like i don't know i don't want to say that because maybe it's not true maybe people like were obsessed with her way before that but because mm-hmm. you know things are so different now like like advertising and 
marketing, all that stuff is mm-hmm. like completely changed. So maybe it just oh, yeah. wasn't marketed towards me at the time when she was like... I think so, because even like reading on here, um, it says that she is... Uh, Kristen Hanna is the award-winning and best-selling author of more than 20 novels, including the international blockbuster The Nightingale, which was named... Goodreads Best Historical Fiction Novel for 2015 and won the coveted People's Choice Award for Best Fiction in the same year. Additionally, it was named mm. a Best Book of the Year by Amazon, iTunes, BuzzFeed, The Wall Street Journal, and like it keeps going on. Like, um, yeah. So maybe this is just the first one that like yeah, was and just like went into like almost like the mainstream circle. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, now I'm reading. Firefly Lane, starring Katherine Heigl, Sarah Chalk, and Ben Lawson, is set to premiere in Netflix in early 2021. So it is right. It, that Firefly Lane is her Firefly Lane. Yeah. Interesting. I haven't seen it. I think I have it on my list to watch, yeah. but like, it seems like a very different show from the, like, it's just like a completely different kind yeah. of book from The Nightingale, from what I hear. Anyway. Now that I've, like, seen that this has a way better description, because that other description, it was good, but it was also, like, one huge sentence. Um, And it was also tiny. Look at the back of the book. And this is that description. So it was very little. Yeah. Anyway, this is a better description. So, okay. In love, we find out who we want to be. In war, we find out who we are. France, 1939. In the quiet village of Caravaux, Vianne Morac, oh, I've probably pronounced that wrong though, um, says goodbye <laughs> to her husband, Antoine. We're going to go with that too, <laughs> as he heads for the front. She doesn't believe that the Nazis will invade. Okay, you can cut this. <sighs> she doesn't believe that the Nazis will invade France, but they. <laughs> Why is reading aloud so hard? I want to be a teacher. This is nuts. Oh, no. Oh, God. Okay. Okay. You can do it. I believe She doesn't believe that the Nazis will invade France, but invade they do. In droves of marching soldiers, in caravans of trucks and tanks, in planes that fill the skies and drop bombs over the innocent. Upon the innocent. When a German captain requisitions Vienne's home, she and her daughter must live with the enemy or lose everything. Without food or money or hope, as danger escalates all around them, she is forced to make one impossible choice after another to keep her family alive. Vienne's sister, Isabel, is a rebellious 18-year-old, searching for purpose with all the reckless passion of youth. While thousands of Parisians march into the unknown terrors of war, she makes Gitan, a Parisian... Oh, nope. A partisan. (laughs) Fucking hell. (laughs) Okay. While thousands of Parisians march into the unknown terrors of war, she meets Gaetan, a partisan who believes the French can fight the Nazis from within France. (laughs) Why did I say France? (laughs) France. (laughs) France. Oh, God. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. 
Fuck, these no, night recordings so are crazy. just... Ugh. It's a bad idea. <laughs> While thousands of Parisians march into the unknown terrors of war, she meets Gaetan, a partisan who believes the French... <laughs> While thousands of Parisians march into the unknown terrors of war, she meets Gaetan, a partisan who believes the French can fight the Nazis from within France. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, I'm so sorry. I can't even see you, so... Oh, fuck. Okay. <gasps> okay. I'm just going to start from a partisan. <laughs> Are you finding this as funny as I am? Or am I just laughing on my own? Oh my god. <laughs> okay. Okay, I'm gonna blow my nose. Let's take a breath. Well, now that you just keep Now that you just keep laughing, I just I know, can't I stop can't laughing. I can't see myself now. to like control how oh fuck. Okay. Okay. Oh, okay, I'm gonna just go like this. A partisan who believes the French can fight the <laughs> fucking hell! <laughs> okay. Last time, okay. I'm just forgetting this sentence altogether. You. I'm gonna take these ear- AirPods out for a second. <sighs> okay, okay, okay. A partisan who believes the French can fight the Nazis from within France, and she falls in love as only the young can, completely. But when he betrays her, Isabel joins the resistance and never looks back, risking her lifetime or risking her life time, I- <sighs> risking her life time and again to save others. With courage, grace, and powerful insight, best-selling author Kristen Hanna captures the epic panorama of World War II and illuminates... Oh, here we go. So this is the other bit that I had in the book. Um, yeah, okay. So I gave a bit more of a detailed description than that last little section did. But, yeah. yeah. And I do, I have to admit, Isabel is like... She's a little bit annoying at times, but I can see where it's like, oh yeah, you got the power here. But at the same time, too, it's just she's because young, she's young. But also, I feel that recently in books that I've read that are meant to be set in a certain time, some women defy all odds, and I'm like, yes, you go, girl. But at the same time, I'm like, would she have gotten away with that? Like, I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. there's certain people that could get away with, obviously, like, defying the norm. And obviously, we don't get to the places we are now without people previously defying that. But at the same time, sometimes I'm like, is it believable? Because sometimes it doesn't seem believable. Yeah, well, I mean, I, yeah, and for me, it's like, yeah, so they 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 would have... It, it's conceivable that they could do these things, mm-hmm. obviously. But then... It it for me it's like the community's reaction to the actions yeah. because it's like that's what would be unrealistic and for them to be like not shunned from society is the unrealistic yeah. part. For and me. I do feel that she's quite a bit younger and she has obviously had problems where she has been shifted from school to school to school. Um, for things that she hasn't done, like the first when you first meet 
Isabel. Um, she is at a finishing school and she's like, she clatters her knife down because she's not holding it properly and everyone's like, oh my gosh, she's yeah. not doing the correct things. And it just kind of gets to a point and she's like, when am I going to use this in real life? Why am I here? So then the headmistress is like, you need to leave. Bye. Like, um, And you know, her life could have went on a completely different trajectory if she hadn't been kicked out with some of these schools. And I'm not saying that that, like education sometimes is just not the time and the place that people need it to be mm. for them and especially when she's felt like there's so many feelings of like abandonment and betrayal from like her sister because she lived with her sister for a while but then her sister had a miscarriage and she couldn't cope with looking after her little sister anymore at the same time mm. so like Obviously, that's really tough, and like her sister didn't really know how to express it. But the fact that she felt abandoned by her own dad when her mom died, like mm. all of these like conflicting feelings, and then she feels betrayed by her sister because her sister's not taking her on to like look after her anymore. It's just all of those feelings get compounded over time and time again when her dad keeps sending her to all of these different schools. So, yeah, but. That's where, like, as a parent, sometimes you have to, like, not set aside your grief, but, like, understand that, like, you are a parent and you have this responsibility. You can't always just give up. Well, yeah, you have to, like, put the needs of your children. That's what being a parent is. You have to put the needs of your children above your own. Mm -hmm. you, can't, you can't afford to be selfish when you have children, and I realize lots of people still are. Mm -hmm. Having a children do having children doesn't automatically make you a selfless, perfect person. But no, if you want to be a good parent, you have to for make a while. Sacrifices at times. Yeah, yeah. Because you know I'm the expert on raising children. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and I do appreciate the fact that like I think she is a badass character. I think that she's really inspiring. Um, but a little bit with the book, like. So eventually she starts saving, like, um, fallen, like, allied troops. So, like, at one point it's um, some British and Canadian soldiers that she has to, like, try and get over the mountains from France into Spain. And that's what she ends up doing um, as part of the resistance work that she does. But um, she... Um, and I don't think I'm giving too much away with that either. But um, she just has like the force of like a young person and it's mm -hmm. fine but then at other times she almost like um there's like a person that she knows was like a hero a, a female hero in the first world war so she like reveres this person and it's that person has mentioned so many times <laughs> and it's just like uh, i don't know like do you have time to think about that when you're in your own war? But, like, and also at the same time, like you've mentioned that, mm. like, yeah. there's only so many times you can mention certain things, and like before yeah. it's like, all right, you mentioned it, like mm -hmm. move on. Um, we, we get it. Yeah. So that was like another thing, and like I do, I keep saying I do really like the book, but here's another thing I don't like about it. <laughs> yeah. But I think that that's fine too. Like sometimes when we put certain books on like a pedestal like it's still fine to like be like well 
let's think about this for a second. Mm-hmm. We can still appreciate um, the craft of the book and how well it was written. And, well, to be honest, I don't know if the writing is that exceptional. Um, <laughs> it, but it is, like, a fairly good story in the sense of it tells, like, a story that could have been told. It could have been sisters, but, like... Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's elements of these stories that are, like, deeply entrenched within truths. But, and every time you make that more clear within, like, people being able to pick up the book and be like, oh, this is another historical fiction. Um, This is something I should be interested in and should, like, know a little bit about. I think all of that's great. And you kind of, you can't just always go down one linear path because, um... Not to say not everybody's story is exciting, but you need to keep the reader like on pace. Mm-hmm. So you ha- obviously have to blend together multiple stories to make like one thing. But um, yeah, I can't really remember where I was going with this thought. <laughs> but kind of like you can't criticize those things and be like, well, was that really how that was depicted? depicted how was that really happening in real mm-hmm. life and i don't know that much about like french resistance either so it's kind of nice to see something that is more like that and maybe i just haven't read the right things to like have read much about the french resistance mm-hmm. um but it does all seem very like cloak and daggers like knocking on doors a certain amount of times and like there's back rooms that are filled with people but you can't know who those people are and like <laughs> yeah I don't know. It's kind of nice. I like that kind of like mystery about things. And yeah. there is a few things that if you're reading really carefully, you can pick up on little like tidbits. Um, like there was a certain thing that I was like, oh, this person's going to be involved somehow mm. because like, I don't know, maybe it's just from reading a lot of books too. You can, I find that the more I read, the more I can pick up trends of where things are going. Yeah. Not even just in like, books but in movies and tv shows too i'm like mm-hmm. well this is gonna happen next yeah and not that that's like what happens in everything because like oh my goodness a book i read a couple weeks ago maybe we should cut that out but like i was shook um <laughs> with the way something went and i was like and then mm. when i thought about it i was like all the signs were there that this <laughs> was gonna happen yet yeah. i was oblivious because i think i just wanted everything to be rosy and fine and yeah Oh, well, I think that's what makes soul. that's what makes a good twist or like a good book is when they set everything up and you think it's going to go a certain way and then it goes the co- like a completely opposite way or like just a way mm. you never thought it would and that's yeah. what makes like a good thriller or a good mystery or a good like twist. Yeah. And I do appreciate that there are twists in this um but at the same time it's kept within like the realm of believability because mm-hmm. um, I hate when there's a twist and it's like, there's no fucking way. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Like the songs in Ursa Major. I was just like, the mm. twist that they had with that at the end with her mom. I was just like, I'm not here for that. Um, yeah. But yeah, this one had lots of good like little tidbitties and like almost little things. That I'm like, oh, I wonder if that did really happen. Like, I should look into that. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, that's, like, a neat little thing. And I think that if, like, a book's doing its job when it, like, can spike your interest in things like that. Um, Though it is funny that we've landed on a lot of books to do with, like, World War II and, like, Paris lately. Mm. Um, That is weird. Maybe we'll keep that trend alive. Who knows? (laughs) 
my next book is set in Paris. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Well, our our uh, it's going to be hilarious. We should try to make people guess the theme for the next two books because nobody's ever going to guess it. <laughs> like, yeah, our books are two completely opposite <laughs> for yeah, the next one, for the next one. Well, okay. Star rating. Who would re- who would you recommend it to? Oh, one hundred percent. If I hadn't read this before my mom, I'd be like, my mom. Um, or <laughs> if I good. had read this, sorry. If I had read this before my mom, I would have recommended it to her. Um, yeah. I feel like this is definitely like, if you're going on vacation, you know you've got a long flight. You know you've got a long time at the airport. You know you're going to be on the beach for days. Mm. Yeah. And you, you can deal with a more hardcore kind of like emotional gut wrench of a book. I know it's not for everybody to like want to sob on a beach um, <laughs> or in the airport. I'm also I'm a person who will cry anywhere. So, you know, what? Um, I'll read anything on a beach. It does, like Beach reads don't mean anything to me. I'll read anything on the beach. Yeah. I also like reading like what you would call beach reads under a blanket on my sofa. So, yeah. Um, but definitely like you got to set aside a slice of time. Um, <laughs> but I do really enjoy it. And it's uh, funny. The book also, like, this week, it's going to rain for, like, the next two weeks here. And the mm. whole, like, the front of the cover, I don't know if you can tell, but it's actually, like, rain splattered. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was just like, oh, this is, like, setting a mood um, yeah. <laughs> here. But, yeah, I don't know. If star rating... Ooh, since I get oddly specific with these, I'll go with the 3.75. Because I feel like my critiques of it make it seem more like a three and a half. But I do feel that there is like a nugget of gold in here. But I don't Mm want to like say, because I am generally harsher on books anyway. Um, I don't want to say it's a four because I've read some books that I would give more of a four star to mm-hmm. than this. Um, but I do feel it's up there. It's definitely like a nice read. Um, yeah, I just don't know if I would like, there's some books that I would like, I'm desperate to like reread again. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I can say this about this book. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think like my mom obviously really enjoyed it. She recommended it to me. Um do you know if your mom's read this? No, I don't think so. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll bring it over in the summer. Great. <laughs> and your mom can read it. And I would like can, to read yeah. I would like to read it to see like what the what the hype's about. Yeah. And I've like I've always been like I've obviously seen her around and I would like to read what at least like not maybe not necessarily that one, but like one of yeah. her books because everybody talks about how great they are all the time. So mm-hmm. it might be interesting to pick up one of her books eventually but yeah so sometimes i like yeah. to be rebellious and not read the books that everybody else is reading until like, oh yeah until like five years later and then i'm like oh my god you guys this is the best book i've ever read yeah well this one is seven so <laughs> um yeah yeah um yeah no definitely um but yeah i think it's definitely like a like more vacation read unless you like like well it depends what you like to read on vacation i don't mind reading more serious things but um if i had to pick a time and place for me to have read this it probably would have been where i can like dedicate yeah time a bunch of time like in an airport it definitely would have filled um time like i wish i had it in december when we were stuck in toronto airport for 13 hours yeah um yeah 
and it has its emotional points it has its highs has its lows has everything in between it has a little bit of love a little bit of sadness and longing and loneliness and like a little bit of i suppose romance in a sense but um but then there's all the like shit that comes with war too so yeah yeah all round very decent book and would oh. recommend okay great yay yay okay well we're gonna take a pretty pretty big 180 for my book but <laughs> surprisingly again i can't believe like like there are some similarities because like my book is also about a mother and a child which mother's day wow but it's also like a lot of it is set like there's a lot of another language it's spanish not french okay <laughs> um yeah there's just like like some weird similarities i don't know how we keep doing that but anyway so my well, this book this time it's not our choice it was the mom's psyche that's true maybe our moms are very we should get our moms together mm-hmm Okay, so my book for the mom recommendation theme is American Dirt by Janine Cummins. Um, it was published in 2019 by Flatiron Books. And the audiobook was narrated by Yureli. I know I'm going to fucking butcher every name in this book, but the narr- the audiobook was narrated by Yureli Arizmendi and... I just wanted to mention her because I was like, I was talking about earlier how I thought she read the audiobook perfectly. Like she just told the story and it was like, she was mm-hmm. very, um, uh, like she, she told it well. She had very, like she had really good like inflections and, and like she told the emotional parts well. And she just really, it sounded like she was feeling the story, but without doing the dumb voices. Yeah. <laughs> I should mention um, the person who narrated the Nightingale is Polly Stone. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. So, where to start with this bad boy? I actually can't believe that my mom read this book. This is so uh, like out of her like wheelhouse. Like, I've given her all of the Beth O'Leary books, which she loved. Like, she loved um, also Malibu Rising, which that reminds me, Mom, remind me to give you um, Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo and Daisy Jones because I think she'll like those ones too. But she generally reads, like, romance novels. Not all the time, but that's usually her jam. Yeah. She likes to read the fluffy stuff. She she she's My mom is a very sensitive person, so she doesn't like to read. She doesn't like to watch anything violent. She doesn't like to see people dying on screen or read about it. So this is a very weird one. But I think she did. She got it. She borrowed it from somebody else or one of her friends gave it to her. And then she gave it to me. Um, okay. But before I get into the book, I do want to fully disclose that there was a lot of controversy when this book came out. And there was some controversy for a few reasons. Um, so number one is, so this book is set in, most of it is set in Mexico, and it's about a mother and a son fleeing Mexico to the states um so obviously it's a story about a person of color and the author identifies as white Mm. so some people had yeah (laughs) yeah so some people had an issue with that with her telling the story 
even though like it's a hundred percent fictitious, she made it all up. Um, so I, but I can kind of understand where people are coming from with that one because, I mean, it's so hard for people of color to tell their stories. But when so a white, why is somebody else telling like a yeah, lived experience a, of somebody else? Exactly. Yeah. When a white person does it, they make it's it is part of Oprah's book club. It was part of Oprah's book club in 2020. Mm-hmm. It had like a movie deal. Everybody was talking about it. There was all this like marketing and buzz for it because yeah, it's easier for a white person to get their like get a story told than it is for a person of color who it actually probably happened to. So that's you know one one part and then then so after all of the controversy happened and people were kind of upset that there was a white woman trying to tell the story of a of a mexican woman she said that the author said she wanted to bring attention to the issue because when it was written it was like right after trump was elected and there was like that big crackdown on immigration so she says that she wanted to bring attention to the issue but then people said that that's like kind of exploitative and that she is basically capitalizing on this really serious issue and people are dying and it's horrible. Um, so people were upset about that. And also like kind of on a lesser note, they, they use like barbed wire. So I don't know if you can see, but like the, um, cover of the book is like oh yeah it's like a mexican tile or i don't know what was what they if there's a specific word for them Mm -hmm. but then there's like barbed wire as the grout almost yeah yeah so um people like so she got this this author got a manicure like when the book came out of like the barbed wire and the the mexican tile and they used like the barbed wire as part of the uh centerpieces like at the launch party and people were just kind of offended about by that because barbed wire is such a symbol of like keeping keeping them out yeah you know so so to, to i didn't i didn't know about any of this before i read the book i'd heard of the book and i mm-hmm. know that there was like a lot of people talking about it before like before it came out or what when it came out yeah but I don't like to Google the books before I finish reading them. I always Google them after, and I like to put stuff that I find in to my review. Um, so I read this completely unaware, and even like at one point they talk about, uh, like I, I'm pretty sure Trump at one point made a comment about like they he said that me- like the Mexicans that were coming over were bad hombres. I don't really remember that specifically, but it mentions that in the book, and it rings I, a vague bell. But... Yeah, it sounds like something he would say. Yeah. Um. And so that's when I looked it up to see like when it was published. So that like 2019, 2020, That's like around that time that it would be. Mm-hmm. Um. So that's like the only thing that I looked up. So I didn't like read anything about the controversy or why people were upset about it until after I was finished the book. Yeah. So my review is completely based on the story and the writing. And however, I did want to mention, mention the controversy because even now after I've read it, I'm kind of questioning 
Well, I think it's um, good for us as like reviewing and going over books that we enjoy and stuff. There's almost like a responsibility to be aware of issues that people don't like agree and or like controversies surrounding things i think it's like our responsibility and fair enough if we don't look at these books beforehand and we're like making either we've gotten a recommendation or we're um like seen this book for a long time and we're like oh we've been interested in reading it or we've had it on our bookshelf for a long time we're like oh we're finally gonna get around to reading that um there's still like a responsibility of if we find out anything we should like mention it Mm -hmm. um well, also, and- like, on a completely different note, you don't think that Belgian person's going to be annoyed that I said about, f- like, not being able to pronounce French things, because they do speak Flemish, but, like, <laughs> a lot of Belgian people know how there, to speak French. There's a lot of, like, so... French people there, aren't there? Like, they speak, like, French there, too? Yeah, they speak several languages, usually, so, okay, okay. I think I'll be fine. Okay. I just don't, don't want to seem like an idiot, like, I know they speak Flemish. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, I didn't, so... Oh, okay. You're smarter than me, then. Um, but, okay, I don't think they'll be pissed, so no, we'll be no. fine. I was yeah. thinking too much into that for a second. Yeah. I was kind You're of good. You're worrying. Good. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, and, like, obviously, as a white woman as well, I would never write... I would personally write a story that I had no... I mean, they always say, write what you know. Yeah. I mean, it did, like, she... So she... I don't... Again, like after all of this controversy, she actually came out and said that her grandmother, I think, was Puerto Rican. But it, then it's just like, okay, but are you just, you said that you identified as white and now you're just trying to cover your ass? I don't know. I, it's not for me to say. So, like yeah. I said, I'm just reviewing this as a piece of literature, not, it had, I'm, I'm not trying to make a political statement or anything like that. I'm not going to yeah. tear the part, I'm not going to tear the book apart or anything. Um, I just think it's important to know that this is what the background of the book is. Mm -hmm. And also, actually, while you're while you were talking, I was thinking because you said that your your book had an author's note in the back. I wish you would have put an author's note in the back and maybe given like statistics, like if that's what you wanted to do was to bring attention to like a humanitarian issue. Like, why wouldn't you give the statistics or why wouldn't you give away because like the entire book all i could think of was like how what is what is what could i do as just some regular mm-hmm. old bitch in regina saskatchewan like what can i do to help these people and like i have seen books where they like comment on things like that before the like, different issues or whether it's like um suicide or like refugees mm-hmm. and stuff like that they mm-hmm. give like an author's note, like, if you want to donate, like, these are organizations that you can donate mm-hmm. to and things mm-hmm. like that. And I think um, we looked at um, the author's note um, within Portrait of a Scotsman, and then they gave, mm-hmm. like, historical things. These are yeah. things that I drew upon exactly. for this novel. And, and I um, really like reading about that, like, especially if it's about, like, like I said, this is a completely 100% fictionalized story, so nothing about yeah. this is true, uh, other than the fact that there's you know, she's basing it in reality in some ways you have to, but like, yeah. I like reading about the background of like where she got the idea for the story. Like mm-hmm. if she read a news story or whatever it is, I like to know yeah. where, like what gave, what would have given her the inspiration. And I just think if she would have added that part, like it would have helped 
maybe in like later um like if they do like a second edition or whatnot they mm-hmm. might have like um something where like um there's been like an additional author's note or something where they could like I don't know, talk to the points of controversy and things like that. But again, at the mm-hmm. same time, they're kind of, I know there's some authors who are like, we have done this thing. This is it. New project, entirely new thing and whatnot. Um, but I don't yeah. know if that's like, yeah, yeah. It, it kind of seems like that's where, and like they, like the publisher and the author, like staunchly like defended it. Um, and which I I understand, like I I can understand wanting to protect your work of what you feel is art, and like it's hard to put mm-hmm. things out in the world like that. She has other books that she's written, and she's actually written a memoir about like her cousins or something being brutally murdered, and it's like a true crime memoir kind of thing. Jesus. Yeah. So, I, yeah. So, yeah. Like they defended it. And, like, even Oprah, so Oprah put it on her book club, and then, like, all of the stuff came out about it, and then she, she like, she also defended it. Not, not that mm-hmm. I'm saying that's the right thing to do, but, anyway, like I said, I'm just yeah. going to review it as a piece of literature. I'm not going to take it as fact or mm-hmm. anything like that. Um, oh, and I also am going to give a trigger warning if you feel like you want to read this book to see what all, all the fuss is about. There is trigger warning for rape, murder, violence, uh, drugs, grief, trauma, all that kind of good stuff. So, not good stuff, but you know what I'm saying. Okay, so here is the summary, and I'm going to butcher all the names, just so you know. Lydia Quijano Perez lives in the Mexican city of Acapulco. She runs a bookstore. Another connection to your book. She runs a bookstore. She has a son, Luca, the love of her life, and a wonderful husband who is a journalist. And while there are cracks beginning to show in Acapulco... Oh, God. Fucking fuck. Acapulco, because of the drug cartels, her life is, by and large, fairly comfortable. Even though she knows they'll never sell, Lydia stocks some of her all-time favorite books in her store. And then one day, a man enters the shop to browse and comes up to the register with a few books he would like to buy. Two of them her favorites. Javier is erudite. He is charming, and unbeknownst to Lydia, he is the jefe of the newest drug cartel that has gruesomely taken over the city. When Lydia's husband husband's tell-all profile of Javier is published, none of their lives will ever be the same. Forced to flee, Lydia and eight-year-old Luca soon find themselves miles and worlds away from their comfortable middle-class existence. Instantly transformed into migrants, Lydia and Luca ride La Bestia, trains that make their way north toward the United States, which is the only place Javier's reach doesn't extend. As they join the countless people trying to reach El Norte, Lydia soon sees that everyone is running from something, but what exactly are they running to? American Dirt will leave readers utterly changed. It is a literary achievement filled with poignancy, drama, and humanity on every page. It is one of the most important books of our times. I don't know. Can you write that on the back of your own book? <laughs> can you literally I don't say... know if you write that, so. <laughs> that's true. Uh, that seems a little presumptuous, but okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so 
I d- like like before I read all that stuff about the book, I did really enjoy it. I think it was really well written. It's really, really heartbreaking and a stressful story for sure. But I think it was uh, an interesting premise. So basically, um, so like it like the summary said, Lydia runs a bookstore and one day this guy comes in and she um, basically strikes strikes up a friendship with him and it turns out he's like the leader of one of the the drug cartels and one of the most violent ones mm-hmm. um but they don't end up telling that story like i i hesitate to say that it's a good adventure because obviously they're not like having a fun romp through the desert like they're fleeing for their lives yeah um but the way that it's written is like that it's easily what am i trying to say here it's easily digestible i'm not that's not even true because it's really like scary and like suspenseful but it's easy to read because of the way she set it up Mm -hmm. and again people were kind of upset about that because they are saying that it's like trauma porn and that they're making this migrants these migrants fleeing for their lives into like a suspense novel but on the other hand i can kind of see how making it easy easy to read makes it more accessible to a wider audience so i i can see both sides of that like i like making a book easy to read gives people more of an idea of what it's like See, I feel like everything is is colored by like what I read now. So I'm yeah. not entirely sure like what there's like a fine line between where you want people to be encouraged to learn more about a situation, but you also don't want to like romanticize exactly, it and exactly. play it down for actually how challenging it is. And that's where sometimes I feel like with like historical fiction too, like mm-hmm. where is the line of like making this um like fluff read and whereas like the brutality and stuff of like wartime and like not all historical fictions are like set in war but just like the ones of like late that are more like well and i mean you always have to have like in the like in the fiction novels you have to have like an inciting factor and it's usually Mm -hmm. violence or it's usually it's something again that's what pulls people in and violence or romance the two yeah. polar opposites yeah. but they also like the the like um opposite sides of a knife what's that saying mm. i think i know what you're talking about but i have no yeah, idea i can't remember <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so i think it that, like in that way and i mean it made me think about it it made me think about like how it made me grateful for the life that i have honestly mm-hmm. because they had a perfectly normal life and her husband was a journalist and as it was it was for something as simple as doing his job that they had to flee so i should also start by saying i don't think it's a spoiler to say that her entire family gets murdered yeah no i was gonna ask does the husband be get killed because it just kind of seemed like presumptuous they don't within the description they don't tell you his name Mm -mm. No. And then mm-hmm. um, it's just like 
the husband writes this and then Lydia and her son have yeah. to run away. Where's yeah. he gone? Yeah. Um, I don't think that that's like... Um... And that's how it starts. Like, it literally starts they're like the little boy had to go to the bathroom they're at a party with their like extended family and they're in the bathroom they hear the gunshots they hide in the shower stall and that's how they get away because they would have been murdered too oh and so they're yeah so they're at her niece's quinceanera and 16 members of her family are murdered so it's her mom her sister her niece her like brother-in-law like like her son um like their son so her nephew her husband there was a lot of people at this party and they're all murdered except for them because they hid in the bathroom yeah and it's yeah so that's how the book starts and that's basically what sets them on this journey because she knows she knows after that that she has to leave leave yeah um but so they don't actually tell the story of how she meets Javier and like they tell it in kind of a flashback. Yeah. Um, so the what they end up bonding over. So like I said, so he comes into her bookstore, they end up bonding over books because he's very um, he he's very smart and he loves poetry and he likes to read and he's exactly the opposite of what you would think like the leader of a drug cartel is like yeah and so she doesn't know who he is and i don't think i don't imagine that they're like broadcasting everywhere what the leader of a drug cartel looks like i'm pretty sure he wants to keep fly under the radar for the most part um but then because her husband is a journalist that's how she finds out who he is and what he does yeah um but then it wasn't until she releases, like, he releases this story about them that he, oh, God. And there's, like, a twist that I don't want to tell you what it is because it's a pretty big spoiler. But mm-hmm. there, it's not even really the article that makes him murder their, her entire family. And he actually ends up being kind of in love with her. Well, he says he's in love with her. And she, it seems like when she was describing her friendship with him, like, it seemed like she was kind of falling in love with him. That was kind of the part that I was like, eh. Like, they could have had, like, a friend, like a friendship connection without it being, like, some weird, like, obsession. Yeah. But anyway, basically, I wrote down, I literally wrote down, I was like, this is like if Kirsty, if I find out Kirsty was the leader of a drug cartel. Because <laughs> I feel like we have a pretty good connection. We have a pretty good friendship. And it's through books. Too. And it's through books. So it's like there was a lot of parallels. And I was like, what if I found out that Kirsty was murdering people and cutting off their heads and stuff? Do you ever really know someone? Hmm. That's very true. Yeah, no. I'm I'm it's not the leader of a cartel. Okay, that's good. Thanks for reassuring me. You're welcome. Um so I just also found it interesting. So they bond over a specifically a book that is about a woman with a fictitious disease where she is compelled to jump off high places. And they they okay. bond yeah, they bond over that because they they also get that feeling, which it's actually a real thing. It's called the call of the void. Really? Did you, you did you know about this? No. So I'm guessing I'm guessing that you've never felt it. Um, I get that, like, weird feeling of, like, adrenaline sometimes for, like, danger, 
But, like, I've never felt the impulse to jump off things. Maybe that's because I'm, like, kind of scared of heights, though. Mm. Um, yeah, well, I guess, yeah, fear of heights would... I get, like, the thrill it. of, like, wanting to do dangerous things, so, like, go bungee jumping and stuff. Mm. Joseph don't, doesn't understand it. No, um, me neither. I've never, like, felt like I wanted to jump. But, like, so I, I looked up... Which is looked, weird that I just mentioned bungee jumping when I said I'm scared of heights. But things like that, where I know that it's, like, safe. a safe situation... The idea of jumping off of like a wall and i think it's because i know i'm so clumsy that <laughs> the idea of jumping off a wall i'm like well something's gonna break mm. like um yeah. so that's where i have like two different like parallel things i'd like don't like the idea but if somebody else is in control of most of the situation and i just have to jump then that's easy enough yeah yeah that's um, true yeah yeah so it has actually like they've studied it there's been some small studies about it but like it has nothing to do with suicide no nobody who ever like who admitted to having the feeling of the call of the void has has ever had any like suicidal ideations so wow. it has nothing to do with that it's just like a normal i guess it's like a normal human reaction to being at high places some, for some people for me yeah. i feel like i don't have the urge to jump but like when i'm standing in a high place i imagine what it would be like to f- be falling and i just get really scared and i have to back away but I don't ever imagine jumping. I, rem- I yeah. imagine getting like pushed over or something like that and falling. Yeah, and I imagine that's... myself tripping. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's the clumsiness. It's not me jumping. But like, so they bond over this book and then they, yeah. Um, and she actually does confront him at one point because after she finds out who he is and he comes in and he thinks everything's fine. He He's like, I thought you knew. And she's like, no, I, why, why would I continue to be friends with you if I knew? Uh, bad, yeah, move. So, bad move. Bad <laughs> move. Well, no, because he's like, and she's like, even after she has like, and they end up fleeing, she doesn't, she has the feeling, like she knows she has to go, but she ends up having the feeling that like he wouldn't hurt her. And it ends up coming out a bit later that she comes across like one of his flunkies or whatever and like the uh instruction was for for them to bring her in alive so she's like confused she's like i don't know that there that's what the fear is like there's fear there's like and it's very like well in in that kristen kristen had a quote it's true like they mix the mixture of fear and joy in this book is crazy because in the flashback she talks about how happy they were like they were just mm-hmm. living a normal life yeah and then it's just mixed with this like constant fear of danger and like not knowing what the next step is and being in that state where it's like you never know that is eerily similar so so in some senses to like how like people felt like during like like the occupation in france and world war ii like (laughs) that's what i'm saying it's weird. weird um that like that's kind of like two comparable things like two very different times and two very different stories but there is like yeah those like human connections Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. which are like so invaluable and it's good when you have a book that really makes you feel that um and that's where like i do like my book i do feel that there is like some things where you can feel like the plight of like vienne obviously wanting to protect her daughter and then that's the only time she can get her sister to listen is when she's like but what about sophie Mm-hmm. what about her you can't be outspoken all the time because it's gonna put her in danger and then that's the only time her sister actually listens is when she's like yeah that's interesting that both both of our mother's day recommendations have like a mother mother child relationship in them 
Well, yeah, my like I suppose there is a mother child of like Vienne and Sophie, but I also feel like Isabel, in some senses, has like the patern or not paternal maternal instinct over her like niece, mm-hmm. but also her sister has that over her too. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, she probably sense, even though her. she felt abandoned by her, but she did raise her for a part portion of her life. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Sorry. That's interesting. <laughs> no sidebar. Um. Yeah, so now knowing what I do about the author and the and the book, I'm not entirely sure how accurate a picture this is of Mexico. I didn't cr- come across anything about any like what how much research she did, if she did any research at all, or if she was just pulling from news articles or whatever. And you mm-hmm. know how uh, how inaccurate those can be. Um, but I think we all have heard that Mexico struggles a lot with corruption and the cartels. Which is why I find it incredibly frustrating when people in Canada and the States talk about how their rights and freedoms are being infringed upon. When I read stuff like this and it's like, she can't, it it describes that she can't travel alone. Like when the cartels come to town, basically. And like Acapulco is like a, a tourist town, basically. Yeah. And then people it, going on vacation there yeah and it and it comes like it, like it kind of talks about how slowly it starts getting more and more dangerous to live there and lots mm-hmm. of other families are leaving and all that kind of stuff so that's how she kind of knows the path to get out is because that other people have had to do it yeah um so where was i going with that anyway yeah, so when people, like, in the States and Canada talk about how their rights are being infringed upon, it's so frustrating because she talks about how she can't travel alone because she's a woman. Like, she's constantly afraid for the life of her child. I mean, I feel like it's probably different for her specific family because her husband is a journalist, and journalists are target number one, usually, for cartels, if they're if they're writing about cartels. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, it's, like, the police the government everybody's in the cartel's pockets so there's no one you can call if you're in no. danger because she even when like the police come are called to the scene of her family her entire family's murder and she knows she's standing there and she's like just like saying like they're not going to do anything they're they're putting down evidence markers just to make it look like they're going to do something but she knows they're not going to ever do anything about it and it's like can you imagine not being able to travel alone because you're a woman, not being able to call the police when you're in danger because they're so corrupt that they might be more of a danger to you than whatever situation you're in that you feel is dangerous. And that's what really rattles me. Like, I know this is a completely different situation in regards to like public safety and like women's safety, but when um, things happen to like women and they're attacked or um, murdered and go missing and they're like well what were you wearing what were you doing you should stay off the streets at night how about you put the people who are committing these crimes how about mm-hmm. they have the curfew how about you put them away like, yeah or how about you start maybe not even put away because like the prison system is not working clearly mm. but like how about we start like doing things to like make sure that this is not happening why are you putting the people who it's targeting like at fault like sorry i i just i i can't wrap my head around it and it annoys me so much um yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. So like that, and when I was reading, I was just getting so mad because I was like, "That's what it's like to have your rights infringed upon. That's what it's. Yeah. It's not, you know, like having to stay home. Like anyway. Um. And so also, I mean, I don't know. A lot of people are fine with going to Mexico, and they find it to be safe. And Mm -hmm. a lot of my family members have gone to Mexico and have never had an issue. But reading this book made me conflicted about wanting to go to Mexico, even though I've heard it's beautiful and amazing and the people there are amazing. And I know that tourism is a huge part of their economy, but to me, it's like, is who, who's that money going to? Yeah. Is it going to be going to just the cartels? And it, it feels a bit exploitative to, to go to places like that, even though I know that a lot, they, they rely on tourism a lot. It's just for yeah. me that like, it's a really conflicting thing because especially after reading this book, because I don't know where the money is going to, if mm-hmm. it's going to go. Cause like, like literally they have their finger in every pot, essentially. Yeah. They have, they have roadblocks. Like even, even Lydia, she has a business. She has to pay like a tax basically to them in order to run her business safely and without them coming after her. So, yeah. I, I read, just make- uh, there was something about that in a book I read recently too, where there was almost like a safety tax. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but like, it's exactly the same thing as like in, well, maybe but I think maybe. a lot of gang related situations have yeah. that. Um, Organized crime. Yeah. Like in Sopranos, which we just started watching. We haven't watched an episode in a while, but like that's, like mm-hmm. they have to pay a tax in order to run their business in the neighborhood of these gangs. Yeah. Uh, so it's just all all bad. Everything sucks. Um. And all, all with that too, it makes me think that like as I get further through the book and they're getting through and they have to reach hurdle after hurdle and. I honestly stopped at one point and I was like, am I a bad person for thinking that the most unrealistic part of this book is that they are getting a lot of help from just random strangers on the street? Like, am I that jaded to think that humanity... (laughs) Nikki, the absolute cynic. I Uh... am! And it's horrible! I didn't used to be this way! (laughs) (laughs) I have lost all faith in humanity. It's really sad, but honestly like they get helped like for example they're like running the the um migrant workers sorry not the migrant workers but like the my the um, immigrant agency is like chasing Mm -hmm. them at one point through the desert Mm -hmm. and a woman hides them in her shed and like brings them out some food in the u.s in in mexico Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I like literally know nothing about which is horrible. Um other than what I've like consumed within like from news outlets and stuff. I really have not. Yeah. And like that's great. It's great to think somebody would do that, but like think about the danger that that's putting on your family. Cuz again, like the like the migrant agencies are not like they're not the government they're not police they're in the pocket of the cartels yeah so 
they will do whatever they want, basically, because they know they can. Yeah. So this is where there's another tie to uh, the book I was reading. Um, which I don't know if I gave that good of a like overview of this book. Um, <laughs> now I'm thinking back, I'm like, I really kind of flubbed around a lot. Um, but another parallel to this is when they, at one point, Isabel is helping a pilot she like hides him in her house mm. and then like helps him get like to safety and like that's like um she like tells him again and again i am risking a lot for you right now you need mm-hmm. to listen to me you need to follow my instructions yeah. and it's really interesting that like that's kind of like a bit but like again at different times like this is at a time where like you couldn't trust the people around you either um were people because like you would um if you were calling in other families you could get food Mm -hmm. and Mm. when people are that desperate they will do anything to survive and to like yeah like humanity in some senses go goes out the window for like your fellow human yeah so but there are people that shine no matter what and they're Mm -hmm. the like actual gems of the world where like no matter what situation they're going through they will share their bread with you they will like make sure that you have a shelter like they will do their best for you no matter what and i like to believe that people are out there doing that kind of stuff but at the same time i'm like are they um well i mean yeah and i mean this situation is obviously a bit different because this woman if they found them, which they didn't, but if they had found them, she would have been in trouble, but like, she wasn't like, it wasn't like she was gonna get anything extra for revealing that they were there. Yeah. And she was just helping out, but she also did yeah. say like, you know, like, you can stay, you can hide here until they're gone, but you have to be gone by morning, basically. Yeah. Because you know, you're not gonna put yourself in, in that much danger for someone you don't know. But, yeah. Yeah. So, I <laughs> I mean, I'm just I glad know, that I will never, hopefully in my lifetime, never be in that situation. Because yeah. as much as people are that's always all I like, can hope. I will do the right thing and I will do that. When you're in that situation, will you actually? And mm-hmm. I, I, I hope that I'm a kind enough person that I would do that. But again, you never know if you're put into that situation. Yeah, um, and you'll never and know what scary. you're going to do yeah. when you're that afraid. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, so um yeah so they end up uh i know that you have mentioned um before not liking having a lot of satellite characters it depends on the situation (laughs) but this book i think it actually did a really good job of having it because it kind of gives it gave a lot of examples of like all the different stories because everybody has a different story when you're when you're in the situation you're fleeing for your life you're just going yeah for jobs and money and more like a more stable life for your family like you're fleeing domestic violence like there's Mm -hmm. all these different stories that come with all of these people I think the instance of satellite characters in my mind was because it was like a more like a rom calm kind of book like um 
and they were so periphery that like there was no value from them if there's value from yeah. them as a character yes go ahead write that person in but when there's no value from you why are they there yeah well and it like kind of show- shows also so she ends up they end up traveling with these two sisters mm-hmm. um and they have just like such a horrible awful story too one of the sisters like they just it's she's described in the book as being so beautiful that like but that's dangerous for a migrant because it makes you stand out more you want to see you want to blend in as much as possible but anyway her story basically is she and her sister like lived in this really remote village where they had no uh like no access to the outside world basically and her dad would come like come into work into the city to work for months at a time and they wouldn't see him for months at a time and eventually her their mother said okay you have to go make something of your life and they moved to the city and they were from actually honduras so they were traveling even further so they were trying to get through wow. mexico up to the states and um so at, like so rebecca like the younger sister is telling the story of the older sister and she says yeah w- like a lot of men liked my sister but at one point somebody saw her like some guy saw her on the street and just said i'm your boyfriend now and it was just like so awful like oh my god just like hearing her story because like he was uh like i, I don't know I don't really know how to describe it, but like a captain maybe in like a gang. So he wasn't like the top guy, but he was like pretty high up. He could pretty much do whatever he wanted. And he just Mm -hmm. decided that he was going to take this girl and use her for whatever he wanted. And you can imagine for what. (sighs) And eventually he found out. So she never told him she had a sister. And eventually he found out she had a sister. And that's when she decided like, we got to get out of here because I'm not going to let what happened to me happen to her. Yeah. So, I mean, there's all those stories that is just absolutely heartbreaking to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the only thing about uh, listening to an audiobook, though, is that I don't have as many quotes. In fact, I don't have yeah. any quotes. That's okay. It's harder to We'll just be quotes. a quoteless episode because I didn't put any quotes in either. That's the thing. I keep forgetting that I have to do quotes. Um, well, you don't have to. This is our party. We can do what we want. Yeah, I know. We had like a like I feel like I've kind of gone off the rails recently though. Like we had like a like a set thing that we were doing to start off with, and I've just like forgotten that that existed. Um, so maybe I'll get back to like a bit of more of a structure. Who knows? Well, life is difficult at times, and you know we're just here for the fun. Yeah, we're figuring out as we go along. We yeah. hope you're having fun too, dear listener. <laughs> I am. I'm having a great time. Um. Yeah, so I don't have any quotes, but, and, like, I feel like I didn't really give that great of a description, but, honestly, but, like, the interesting part is, like, them, oh, God, and I, I hate to say that it's interesting, but you know what I mean. It's, like, them fleeing and, like, getting away, and, like, once they're basically out of danger, it actually does give, it's kind of cool, because, like, every so often it'll say, oh, we're this many miles from danger, uh, we're this many miles, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. But then, mm-hmm. like, at one point, like, they are found by someone, like, who works works in the cartel because they have, like, a certain tattoo. She sees this tattoo, and she's like, 
we're this many miles from danger, but it feels like we haven't left or something like that. It's very interesting, like how, how they kind of measure it. And at the end, she says we're this many miles from home, but now we feel safe, that kind of thing. So, yeah. Um, yeah. But so like the interesting part is them like kind of fleeing, but like the, the middle is kind of boring. All they're doing is just riding a train, which is not boring. It's horribly dangerous and they end up getting picked up by, like, a migrant, like, agency. They end up, like, like even getting onto the train. It describes, like, people's falling off and getting cut in half by the train. Oh. And, like, it's horrible. It's horrible. But, like, oh, the, middle, no. the middle part is just kind of, like, them. Dealing with that? Yeah. And it's just, like, them uh, learning how to ride the train safely and, like, just getting oh, as fuck as, that would be so horrible yeah and it's basically just them getting as many miles as they can between them and this guy um it's so interesting though that he like claims he has feelings for her though yeah like and still by the end he like was. almost like um and, like, you obviously know, like, well, from what you've described, it seems like they had some sort of, like, bond that they both felt. Mm-hmm. So it seems very interesting that his feelings are almost, like, um, well, not almost. They're, they're, like, abusive tendencies of, like... Yeah, definitely. Like, a power relationship, and he feels like, well, no, I am in love with you. Like, you have to come back to me, and it's, mm-hmm. I don't know, it's very interesting dynamic. Yeah, that's exactly what it's like. And she does, it's it's kind of awesome at the end because she does, I won't spoil it, but she does get to have, like, one last interaction with him and she basically says, like, fuck you. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of nice to have that closure. Um, yeah, overall, I liked the book. I mean, I'm, it's kind of soured for me after I reading all of that stuff about it. But, like, when yeah. I, at the time, I was like, this is a really good book. Like, it really made me think about, like, the the crisis that is happening there um super stressful and really brutal but like very well written i thought like there were some really well framed moments um but uh, like uh, maybe uh, maybe it felt a bit unfinished i don't want to say it felt unfinished at the end because it ended it ends pretty much how you think it's gonna end there's mm-hmm. no no big surprise or anything, um, but it doesn't feel hopeful at the yeah. end because mm. even though so like spoiler alert they they get to the states and they're you know making it work like they're not rich by any means but they are safe, um, so that's our richness of itself I suppose. But now that they are there and relatively safe now they have to start the grieving process because like basically the entire book they're like don't think about it don't think about it don't think about it because they just have to survive right but they're like this little so the little boy is eight and he just saw his dad basically get gunned down in his grandmother's backyard yeah and it's like how do you deal with that as an eight-year-old and not just like the grief of your family the grief of your home and your life the life that you were having and had um and the fact that you've moved to a different country and not just like highlight a point i don't think that the u.s is the pinnacle of all fucking human existence either and 
They like to think they are, but... Yeah. I'm sorry, especially to those listeners in Ashburn, <laughs> Virginia. I really don't. And... <laughs> Oh my god, this is my but day then, for like sl- slating people. Yeah, but we're gonna we're gonna get some hate mail after this. Yeah, but I don't <laughs> believe that any country should hold themselves at this like peak pin- like pedestal that we are the greatest. Like, no, everybody has their fucking trash and everybody has their fucking problems. So, mm-hmm. um, but the fact that you do have people who are fleeing into your country, they're obviously desperate for um, they're desperate. That's the for thing. something. Um, and it might not be the place that they want to go or like should end up, but it's no there's because... an escape that they need to have, and that's the same with any refugee coming from any war torn place. Do you think that they really want to uproot themselves? And, yeah, they would have rather um... stayed where they were because they had like, I mean, they had a pretty great life. Yeah, when like she had her books, they're like, and they I even talk say about refugees either just like any sort of like person who has to move from any place like whether like it's just through like yeah i don't know how to word that properly but um it's just horrible that that needs to happen in the first place in some cases um Mm -hmm. and when you're fleeing for your life um compassion can go a long way and i just i don't think that we should always hold places on this like pedestal of being the greatest place that you should end up and that's the same as like canada like they're like canada takes in a lot of refugees and the uk well that's a whole other situation because (laughs) who they have in government right now is not doing a good job for people who are Are migrating into the country or fleeing like Mm -hmm. but those are conversations for another day but um and certainly not like uh, certainly not for me to comment on i don't know enough about the subject but like yeah like you said like just having that compassion like from one human to another i don't even understand like why she because they talk at one point somebody says that so you can like like um ask for asylum if you feel like your life is enough in i don't even know what what the uh like qualifications would be like how how endangered does your life have to be in order to like apply for asylum but like talks about and i'm just like what makes this not worthy of asylum like this this specific story of this woman who is basically being hunted by one of the biggest like drug Mm -hmm. cartels in mexico i i think it's made up but like you know like what what uh, what else would constitute asylum yeah yeah, so uh, it's all bad. <laughs> yep. Um. Anyway, what would your star rating be of this? Well, now I like I gave it four stars when yeah. I like, and I gave it four stars on Goodread. And actually, on Goodread, it still has even with all of the controversy. I it it is four point three seven. Yeah. So. And, like, even, like, a lot of the reviews I was reading said they really liked it, but maybe everybody was like me and then just didn't read, didn't Google it afterwards. Yeah. They just read a book and liked it. Because yeah, like there's, I said, like, the... 400,000 uh, ratings. Um, like, over mm-hmm. 400,000. Mm-hmm. And, like, I thought it was a really well-written book, and I didn't, I wasn't sure if it was a true story or not, because it seemed like it could be. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
yeah, I liked it. I would rec. Yeah, I would recommend it. Um, even just to kind of open your eyes a bit more to what. And again, I don't want to say because obviously this is not a real story, and this woman, it never happened to her, and I don't know how much research she did, but it did make me want to look more into it and to think. It just made me think more about the situation, and I don't mm-hmm. know. Just it opened my eyes to another kind of culture, I guess. So that's one positive thing you can say about yeah. it. Yeah. Whew, hopefully I didn't talk for too long that time. I felt bad. The last time I talked for like two hours, felt like. <laughs> no. I feel like I kind of flubbed my way through mine, but like. I just didn't want to give too much away because I feel like it is a book that potentially people have like on their lists. Yeah. So I don't really want to give that much away from it either. Yeah. Well, happy Mother's Day, Mom. Yeah, thank you you for the recommendations. The last episode was not for you, but this one is for you. Yeah. (laughs) Which I think is kind of funny. (laughs) Yep. Um, I was writing on the top of my page. It was like, last one. Um, Mom, don't listen to this one. And then the next one, Mom's pick. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Um, What's our read-along, Kirsty? So... Our next read-along book is The No-Show by Beth O'Leary, and that episode will be released on June 9th. Yay! Let's read it together. I'm only a few chapters in so far, but uh, I'm... And I burned through it, and I can't wait for that episode. I, I'm I know! Read it again you then. said it was so amazing, so now I'm yeah. like, oh god, gotta get through. I'm not gonna tell you anything that, like, revolved around it, because I have stories, and I'm I'm so excited. I'm so curious to know how it ends, because I'm just at the beginning, and I'm kind of like, where is this going? Oh, it's so good. Yeah. So let's read it together, and um, if you want to talk about any of the books that we read today, if you want to give us your thoughts on any books that we've read, or if Mm -hmm. you want to give us any recommendations, or if you want to give us some themes, because we're running out, or if you want to give us your thoughts on the no-show, you can email us at dearbreadbookclub at gmail.com. You can follow us on, uh, blah, 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 what am I saying? on Instagram at dearbearbookclub and DM us there if you'd like. Yeah, mom, you said you were going to write something in and you didn't. Wow, <laughs> mom. What the hell? <laughs> yeah. And also, tiny shout out to um, the ladies that I work with who have been very diligently listening along since a couple weeks ago I showed them how to use um, Spotify and find us so um, thank you hi I feel like you probably know about my life more about my life than than I do (laughs) by the way by the sounds of it because Kirsty tells you everything about me so hi Uh, I just have no filter (laughs) (laughs) okay Um, anyway that's it for us happy reading thank you so much for listening bye